Welcome everyone to the Race Report podcast. We are on episode five and today I have a special guest with me. Welcome Nick to the show. Hello Piers, how you doing mate? I'm doing very well, thank you. I hope you are doing very well as well. Yeah, I'm really good mate. Uh, we are here today. We are in a bit of a break. We've had the first two races of the season. We're coming up on Australia. So I thought it'd be very good to have a bit of a retrospective on our first two races. See how the teams are doing. See how they're shaping up. And see how the season might end up happening. So yep, sounds good. Should we start looking at the teams then? So we should start with Ferrari, right? Because Ferrari looked pretty good in testing. And they've looked pretty good in the races. What have you been thinking? Um, so far, I'm impressed. Um, they're doing really well. I'm pleased they're doing really well. It's nice to have them back at the top. I'm hoping they stay at the top, but time will tell, I guess. Yeah, you're totally right. It is phenomenal to have Ferrari back, isn't it? I mean, they've always nearly been there for like the last 10 years or so, apart from that one down year they had. Um, but yeah, it's nice to have them genuinely title contenders again, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. I'm a bit of a Ferrari fanboy, I will admit. I used to follow them back in the Schumacher days. So it's nice to hopefully see them coming back on top. Did you think Vettel was going to do it for them? That Another young German coming along just like Schumacher and doing it again? Yeah, I did think he would do it. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Now, now they've got the young monogasque driver, Charles Leclerc, going to do it for them, apparently. Yeah, I don't know much about Leclerc, um, but so far I've been impressed. So, yeah, we'll see how he does and uh, hopefully hopefully he does it. I mean, we need some competition. Mercedes doesn't seem to be doing it at the moment and we kind of have Red Bull just stomping it on their own. That's a really good point. We do, like, it, it's been two teams at the front last season. It looks like it's going to be two teams at the front again this season because Red Bull, again, looking very strong this season. Um uh, they're like the standout, I guess, because when their car works and because Verstappen's like that next level above, he, he does seem to be able to pull it out of the bag, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder how much of it is because he's won the previous season. He's got that spring in his step and he's just a little bit quicker because he's, you know, more confident. He's won a championship now. He knows he can do it. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how the season develops. I'm hoping Mercedes fix their issues and they come back a bit, but... Um, time will tell with that one. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, I've seen that in a few comments on the channel now that uh, everybody's hoping Mercedes can get back into this and make it a three way scrap, essentially. And, you know, I'm sure Mercedes feel the same way about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're looking about fifth and sixth on the road right now with um, if, if they uh, get everything together. I mean, they absolutely screwed Hamilton in the last race in Saudi Arabia uh, on strategy. Uh, which meant he had to try and recover that. But George Russell was just like pootling along in his own race, essentially, in fifth place. Nobody behind him could touch him, and he couldn't really get close to the guys in front either. Yeah, do you think um, George is outshining Lewis at the moment? Um, I haven't watched the last two races, so you'll have to tell me um, what I've missed in that respect. Uh, outshining him? I don't think so. In the first race uh, in Bahrain, Lewis um, was ahead of George. Uh, but in the second race in Saudi Arabia, uh, Mercedes got the strategy so wrong in qualifying that Hamilton went out in Q1, whereas George got into Q3. So okay. I, 
I don't think he was ever going to realistically catch up to Russell. Um, so yeah, they've been they've been pretty level pegging on pace so far. I think it's going to be a um, mental aspect to it, and we know Hamilton's pretty good mentally uh, with his resilience and whatnot uh, of not being near the front really. That was going to be my follow-up was how much of his performance do you think is the results of last year and the lack of performance in the car? Do you think he's a bit slower because he's not quite recovered from what went on and so on? It could be a thing like I I still don't know how sports people do it sometimes where they come back from such a crushing loss and they're just able to perform again like uh, sometimes I have a bad day and like I have a bad day at work on Monday and Tuesday's a write-off. I don't know how Hamilton can come back from last season straight into this season and not have like a hangover. But he seems to be yeah, doing all right. some kind of baggage. Yeah, exactly. But he seems to be doing all right so far. I mean, it's the car that's the problem. It's, I don't think it's either the drivers. Um, I do think Russell will probably have a mental issue as well. The fact that he waited a bit longer than I think he would have wanted to get from Williams to Mercedes and he finally gets the Mercedes and it's not going to be a title challenger that must be a bit hard for him as well yeah definitely I'd imagine that's hard especially because the car that he was in is outperforming him in some races right uh no, no uh, the Williams is that correct no you know what I'm thinking of you're thinking of Bottas Stratton. aren't you <laughs> I'm thinking of Bottas yeah I'm thinking uh the driver that he replaces outperforming him in some races that's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's phenomenal. I love that, to be honest. Um, not not that I hate George or love Bottas or anything like that. I just love that an Alpha is outperforming a Mercedes. I find that quite quite interesting. It's, you know, it's something new that we've not seen before. Yeah, the grid seems to be really mixed up this year with the car changes. It's very unpredictable, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I think Alpha and Haas have been the standouts for me. Um, with Haas, with Kevin Magnussen, especially getting that fifth place in the first race, it's like, man, what a what a couple of months he must be having. He must be on the cloud nine right now. Yeah, emotional roller coaster for him for sure. I actually saw uh, him and a few of the other drivers. I think Daniel Ricciardo was one as well. Um, in the last race in Saudi Arabia, they had KT tape all up on their necks and down, going down their backs. Uh, that must that must be uh, like physically demanding and like because they didn't have time to prepare obviously ricardo had covid magson you know just wasn't there at all uh didn't have a contract yeah. uh they must be really hurting yeah definitely a physical sport um i don't think i could do it that's for sure would you give it a go if you're given an opportunity though a hundred percent I'd be straight in that car. I'm sure I'd, I'd probably crash it, but yeah, I'd be straight in that car. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm 100% the same. Um, I'd drive it until my neck fell off, I think. Yeah. I'd love to just feel it, the speed of it. Uh, yeah, just to experience it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But one man that hasn't experienced it so far this season is actually Sebastian Vettel. Uh, in the Aston Martin. So uh, he's been out with COVID for the first two races this season. And Nico Hulkenberg has come in. Um, their car looks to be the second slowest, though. Oh, really? That was good. I was going to say, how was Hulkenberg? Is he doing well? But I'm guessing not if his car's the, one of the slowest. It's really hard to tell. I suppose you can only compare against the teammate, right? Um, 
he's been beaten by Stroll. Um, but uh, to be honest, that's expected, right? He's uh, he's not raced in so long. Um, so like no no disrespect to Hulkenberg there, but the car looks the car looks bad compared to what you know what I was thinking and what I was hoping for, especially. That's a shame, especially from a brand like Aston Martin. So, uh, well, you'd hope for it to do better. Maybe not expect, but you'd hope it'll do a bit better. But I'm sure they'll, they'll work things out. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping they do. Uh, one of the things that Aston Martin came out and said, which I thought was really interesting, is you know this porpoising problem where the, uh, the cars have been bouncing down the straights because of the airflow? Yeah. Aston Martin came out and said they were losing as much as three quarters of a second a lap due to the them having to uh, raise up the car so that they didn't porpoise. Okay, and that's huge in Formula One world, so... Absolutely. Imagine if they fixed that thing and then their car was starting to go three seconds, uh, three quarters of a second faster a lap. Yeah. Where would that put them? Like, if you look at the timesheet and you added that, where would they have finished if they could solve that problem more? That's a really interesting question. I haven't done my due diligence on that, but uh, that would be an amazing question to answer because, yeah, you're probably looking at like upper midfield, right? Hopefully so, yeah. Unusual problems I have because they've had a... I don't know how quick you could fix something like that. That's something I've been banging on about. Obviously, not a mechanic. I don't know any of this stuff. Um, not an aerodynamicist either. But um, it's one thing that I brought up in testing. At the first test, we saw it basically every team was popping. So I was like, oh, okay, that's something for them to work on in the second test. We saw it still happening in the second test. I was like, wow, I expected teams to be on top of this by now, but okay. Yeah. And they're still porpoising even now. Okay, uh, do all teams still suffer from it? I know that the McLarens, um, not the McLarens, the Mercedes are suffering from it quite badly, aren't they? Yeah, Mercedes is suffering quite badly. Um, not all teams are, though. McLaren are actually a team that looks to have it under control they've got other issues though apparently yeah it's sad that mclaren's not doing as well as i'd, I'd want them to do much better because i'm a bit of a fan of both drivers and i also like the team so i must admit i'm right there with you when i was growing up uh i was watching hackenen and coulthard um going up against schumacher and i was like yeah they're the underdogs i'm gonna i'm gonna root for mclaren and uh, yeah, so I'm really sad to see them where they are, especially considering like they've got Daniel Ricciardo, they've got Lando Norris, they've got a beautiful car. Everything seemed to have like come towards this moment and it's just not going for them. Yeah, that's true. But the season's long and hopefully as it progresses and the upgrades come, um, McLaren can improve a bit and, and go back to where they belong at least. Yeah. Kind of the best of the rest, really. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope they can get up there. Even if it's just by the end they're challenging Mercedes for that kind of like third third team uh, slot. Yeah, yeah, that's where I think they they should be. Ideally a little bit better in my eyes, but yeah, hopefully the best of the rest and hopefully uh, the next few races they'll just, we'll see improvements and they get a bit quicker. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's what they're aiming for. Daniel Ricciardo actually came out with a statement very recently, I think after the last race, where he was like, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if we won a race this season. It's like, oh, okay, he's still got the confidence. He said it was because he believes in the team and, you know, he was doing a bit of morale boosting for the team there. But if they think they can do that, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like he has to believe that. Um, it'd be difficult to race if you don't have that kind of mentality that you could potentially do it. I think you'd like 
just just lose morale. Um, so yeah, I think they just have to believe that the team can change the car and become more competitive. Um, and yeah, I hope he's right. He's a uh, he seems like a great guy. I like watching him race. So yeah, I feel like it would be nice to see him win. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. That would be amazing. Again, like he he picked it up last season for McLaren. And, uh, hopefully. If they do win a race, hopefully him and Lando get another one-two again this year. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, just looking down my list of teams that we've talked or not talked about, I suppose a couple of the teams that are just quietly getting on with business right now are uh, Alpine and Alpha Tauri. They're just kind of like, we're sat here in the midfield, we're doing all right, um, nothing too outstanding, uh, just plugging away. Yeah, just plodding along. Um, I don't know much about those teams, so what's your opinion on them? Uh, the Alpha Tauri seem to have struggled with engine problems, the same engine problems that Red Bull have. Um, so that's kind of worrying for them. I wanted Gasly to be doing better, honestly. I expected Gasly to be doing better. Um, so I'm a little worried for their car. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Alpine, though. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit sad because it's such an ugly car. <laughs> I, I don't, have you checked out the livery for the Alpines? Yeah, I'm looking at it now actually. And yeah, it's not, um, it's not the best looking car. That's for sure. <laughs> I, uh, I actually scored, this was, I think my worst livery when I did my livery ranking, I think I put okay. Alpine in last, um, and so the fact that they're getting a lot of airtime, like in Abu, in um, Saudi Arabia, they got a lot of airtime because both their cars were fighting each other. And I'm just sat there thinking, man, this is a fantastic fight. But I wish they had last season's livery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not pretty cars, but I don't know. What can you do? Someone liked it. Someone voted for it. Yeah, true. True. There is a designer out there that probably hates us right now, but uh, oh well. Each their own, eh? Yeah, that's it. What's your second ugliest car, just out of curiosity? Livery-wise, uh, obviously. I think I gave it to the Williams. I think I did give it to the Williams, actually. Okay. Which actually grew on me a little bit. Um, in racing conditions, I think it looks a lot better than it does in stills. Yeah, it doesn't look too bad at the pictures I'm looking of it now, but it's hard. Uh it's not that it looks bad, it's just the others look better, I guess. That's, that's, e that's exactly it, yeah. I, I think one of the points I was making in that, in that video was uh, everything, like, everything's gone up a tier, it feels like. like. The Ferraris look really good, the McLarens look really good, um, you know, the, the Alphas look really good. It, everything seems like it's step up a tier. So if other teams didn't make that step up as well, then they automatically fall down the list, right? Exactly, yeah, that's the thing. And how do you find uh, this year's aerodynamic changes and all the changes they brought in? Do you feel it's brought better racing? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I, I literally just did a video about this on Sunday and uh, I was exposing how much I loved it, basically. Um, re I'm really passionate about this because uh, it's just... Uh, you, you get laps now where cars follow each other for six or seven laps fighting back and forth. And it's interesting because, like, 
there were times where it's like, oh, an overtake gets done. Okay, I'm going to go make a coffee now because I don't have to worry about it. But I'm literally sat there in front of the screen, like glued to it because I'm like, oh man, this could go on for a while. Yeah, and you don't want to miss anything because it could happen any moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's been it's been such a breath uh, breath of fresh air to see the cars fighting each other, different cars fighting each other as well, um, and just action all around the lap. Yeah. The only thing I found disappointing, again, I haven't watched the two races, but um, I catch up with YouTube clips and so on. And I saw a video where cars were allowing the car behind to overtake, so they then got the DRS to overtake them back on the straight. Um, that's a shame that if that's happening, because uh, it's kind of not in the spirit of the sport. Yeah, a hundred. You're you're actually hitting on a key point that I think a lot of people are talking about right now, um, and yeah, it, it is. I think it is a bit of a shame because it's like tactically using a driver aid, which I don't think you should be doing. Um, but yeah, so people are like flying around uh, improvements and stuff like that. It's like, do we get rid of DRS? Is that a solution? Do we move the DRS zones? Is that a solution? Like people are trying to solve the problem, but a hundred percent. And I also thought there might have been a, a crash in uh, Saudi Arabia because because of that, both uh, Leclerc and Verstappen were braking heavily to so the other one would go into the corner first, sort of thing. So the one behind could get DRS. Yeah, that's a clip I saw, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's not really what you want to see. Um, if I had a vote, I think I'd I'd want to see DRS gone. Um, and then make any aero changes necessary so that the cars have clean air behind them and they can race more closely. And then you kind of get rid of that tactic. Uh, and it's just, I just want to see out and out racing. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's what the purists want, right? That's, that's, you know, that's when I hear drivers talking about it, that's what I tend to hear as well is that, you know, DRS is like a, uh, or has been a necessary evil. And now, hopefully, we're moving into an era where it's not so necessary, so we can get rid of it. Yeah, hopefully so. That seems to be the future, or the way the future's heading. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, the new uh, safety bar and how it looks? I actually think it looked quite nice. The halo bar. Oh, the halo. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of it. Like initially, when it was proposed, I was kind of like oh okay well if we have to but having seen some of the collisions and the crashes since it's come in i'm like 100 percent in on it and i love that teams build it into their liveries now you know it's it's a part of the car and it i don't even notice it anymore yeah when it first came out i i thought the cars looked worse for it but now i'm the other way around i think the cars look better for it and and without it the cars look old whenever you see an open like an open wheeler yeah uh, without a halo kind of looks like an old-fashioned car because you're kind of associated with the modern times i guess yeah a hundred that's brilliant yeah like i'm i'm totally the same it's like when you see one of the old uh older cars and it's like oh okay wow we used to we used to have that okay yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah, since since we've uh, changed over now, and there's been so many incidents and you know potential injuries that have been stopped because of it, it's like, right, you're perfect. Do what you need to do. Like you could break paint it by bright pink. I'm sold. Yeah, 
especially when you see some of the accidents people have and they're able to walk away at the speeds they're doing it's incredible yeah it's it's absolutely insane of course we just saw mick schumacher just have a big one uh very recently absolutely fine and it's like how like his car literally is in bits and he's walked away from it it's crazy yeah yeah but that's uh that's been an interesting development over the years as well um but another interesting development uh that happened uh, i think kind of got buried with with the the excitement about the races um is the the fia report into the abu dhabi incident last season it came out and it has a bunch of bullet points but I haven't really seen many people talking about it. Okay, I'm not up to date with that report, so do you want to fill me in with what it says and how you feel about it? Yeah, like, okay. Um, so basically, it's, it's a document that breaks down what happened in the final laps of Abu Dhabi last season, um, and it's it was basically a fact-finding mission for the FIA. What actually happened, what procedures were involved, and what can they do to stop it happening in the future? So they seem to think that um, Michael Massey wasn't at fault. He, like him as a person wasn't at fault. Um, it broke down that uh, his job was difficult and that they wouldn't assign blame to him. And it's like, okay, you know, like convince me. Like, I'm, I'm always like, okay, I, I take your point. Convince me of that fact. Okay. So um, it did touch on that um, all the roles Massey held, and it did it did seem like a lot. Like there there was a lot of stuff he was doing behind the scenes that we didn't get to see, as well as the actual dude in the chair that got to talk to people. Um, so that was interesting to learn. Um, and then the pressure from the teams they said was a big factor as well, which I think everybody kind of knew. Um, so they, they've stopped that already for this season sort of thing yeah so they they assumed uh, they um they they surmised that he was basically overworked um and you know not wasn't fit for the job but one man or one person could never be fit for that job kind of thing yeah absolutely so yeah, it did I, I think go on sorry oh sorry um it did assign it to human error though so uh, you know without naming him he made an error uh regarding the lapped cars um and while it believes he acted in good faith it did um attribute a error to the championship win yeah yeah i agree definitely his his choice decided the championship that's for sure um i don't think he acted maliciously um I guess he wanted it to end in an exciting way. Um, and yeah, he shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. But that's what can come out of this is that in the future, there should be such a framework in place that the rules are so precise that there's no way an error like that could ever possibly happen again. There's like, you know what to do in any possible circumstance. Yeah, and I think that's the route they went down as well. Uh, that's a really good way of looking at it because they they've said hey here's what we're going to do to stop from happening again so now they have a rolling race director so it's kind of like it's a different person over different parts of the season so one person isn't being overworked over the whole season they also have 
a team that they can go to. So, like, um, I forget the official name of it, but it's basically like a team of people back in a home base somewhere, like VAR for um, for football. Uh, yeah. They they can just like basically ring up and be like, "Hey, look, I want to make sure I got this right. Can we have a chat quick?" Yeah, it's not a bad thing. The more people, the more eyes on it. I think that's what I remember saying actually in the aftermath of last season. I was like, you know committee it it's you know it's fine to have a committee for some things and i think that was one of the instances where it would have happened um but that's what that's where they came down obviously they did remove michael massey they took they've taken him behind the scenes for an undisclosed job um so they've not fired him completely from the organization because i you know obviously they think you know they're kind of empathetic to his situation so they're like all right we're going to take you out of the race director seat give you a bit of a break we'll take you we'll keep you employed somewhere else and we'll give it to these other people yeah no, that seems fair enough i mean they didn't want to throw him under the bus um to be fair he probably doesn't want to be in the spotlight right now anyway after what's happened he probably could do with uh taking <laughs> taking a break from that yeah true i'm sure a lot of hamilton fans would be rightly miffed um if they saw his face at a grand prix right yeah but yeah, I don't think he was malicious. I think he made the wrong call. Um, he obviously affected the championship, but, you know, in that moment, probably half of us would make a wrong call somewhere along the line. So, you know, what can you do? Just have to move forward and learn from that mistake. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're very much right there, yeah. And uh, hopefully that's what, that's what F1's done and uh, we won't see anything more like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. On to uh, rosier news, though, um, and something that everybody did pick up on is uh, we've had a new race added to the calendar for next year. Yeah, we have. I'm uh, really <laughs> pleased about it. I know you like this one. Las Vegas is joining the calendar for 2023. Yeah. It's just such a good location. Um, the track obviously goes past all the iconic buildings. I just think it'll be a spectacle and uh, good for the sport. Absolutely, yeah. I'm. I can't wait to see what this race is like. Uh, as soon as they, when they were like, "Oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go Las Vegas," I was like, "Well, are you gonna go Las Vegas like you went Las Vegas last time, or are you gonna do it properly this time?" But it seems like they've actually done it properly. It's gonna be going down the strip and around all of the set pieces of the city in a pretty simple track, but you know, it's gonna be that. It's gonna be one of them spectacle races where it's like you just. It's like a feast for the eyes at all times. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, my only thing would be there's three races in the US right now. It's obviously quite a lot of races. Um, it'll be nice to maybe drop one and then have another race in a new location, a new country. Yeah, that's actually a big question going around at the moment. Um, obviously, we have our second race in Miami that we've not even seen yet to know if it's any good. And they've already announced a third one. So it's kind of like, are we doing the US a bit too quickly? Uh, also, what are the implications on, you know, other tracks you brought up there? It's like um, with China coming back on and um, Qatar coming into uh, into the races next year, which are already confirmed, we are over our limit, which is 24 races. We have a 24 race limit due to the Concord Agreement. We're over our limit for next year already. Uh, so we do have to lose um, a, a race somewhere. 
so we are actually uh, going to the US at the detriment of other tracks. Yeah. And that's a tricky choice. Which track would you choose to lose? Mm. I looked up who's out of contract, um, and it's Belgium, France, and Mexico. Uh, but, of course, you know, contracts could be renegotiated. Some can drop out temporarily and come back. So I am i don't think it's going to be limited to those three. But those yeah. three are, like, the easy ones, I guess, to pick from. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, and they also want to add more tracks, don't they? Uh, they want to add uh, South Africa in the future. Yeah, and that's actually one that... I would be very positive about. Obviously, we don't have an African race right now. Um, so, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, add that one. And then it's like, damn, we've got to lose more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did I did hear that one option would be to alternate tracks year and year so that they all kind of got a turn over a two-year period. But I'm not really sure how I feel about that either. It'd be It'd be interesting. I think it'd keep the racing fresh. But I don't think you could, like, you almost couldn't go like, oh, last year's, you know, you could be like, oh, last year's champion was the champion because they got all the tracks that suited their car. And this year's champion is di different because we got different tracks. And it's like, it's almost like um, comparing apples and oranges, I guess, if you if you rotate too many tracks. Yeah, there is that, absolutely. And also, I think for the fans, a lot of people make the pilgrimage every year to their, you know, their track. Um, and if you skipped a year, how would the fans feel about that? I don't know. That's a great point, yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. I've started going Silverstone now and I don't really want to stop. So if you stop me for a year, I don't know how I'll feel. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I know somebody that goes Silverstone every day. They've been doing so for quite a few years. So if Silverstone wasn't in one year, uh, I don't think they'd be happy. Yeah, it's an in interesting conundrum we've got. Um posed by uh by this new race but i guess we'll hear more as the year goes on um i mean we're still so early on in 2022 that thinking and worrying about the 2023 races is something for the f1's legal team and not us fans to really worry about just yet yeah and not to take away that i think vegas is going to be awesome i really do yeah I absolutely i could see it becoming one of my favorite races of the year potentially <laughs> yes i love it and uh did you know it's actually on saturday as well yep the first race on a saturday since was it the mid 80s or something yeah it's been a long long time um you, you know before i was born um since uh since we've had a saturday race so i'm quite interested because obviously you know that's going to be completely new it's going to be a night race as well so everything's going to be lit up down the strip that's going to be amazing yeah yeah i think it had to be a night race just to get all the the neon lights and so on glowing. Mm. I kind of, I do kind of, we're coming back to the three races in US thing, but I kind of, you know, want to want to make a visit at some stage because it feels like you could get three very distinct flavours from the three races. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what Miami turns out to be. I saw the promotion video on the Formula One YouTube channel. Um, so it has the potential to be good. Plus, you can hit the beach right after as well. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. I feel like they might miss a trick if, if they you know, could have done it along the beach. But there you go. That's just me. <laughs> and then you've got um, Austin still, which uh, which I think has more of like a, um, 
a party vibe to it, like a festival. Like they always have the big concerts in uh, uh, before the race and and stuff like that. I think that's a big party vibe to it. Yeah, um, I guess it's a big country and they can fit three, um, all in different time zones. So um, it's just the fact that it's a shame that other countries might miss out. But other than that, I think it's it's a good thing. Yeah, very true. And one. Uh, one country which actually has missed out for the last couple years since 2019 is Australia and that's literally the race we're coming to right now I'm so excited to see Australia again yeah I'm a big fan of Australia um, and the Australian Grand Prix um, it'd be good who do you think is going to be strong in this one uh, well it has to it has to be the Ferraris and the Red Bulls again doesn't it it's uh they're out in front I think they're legitimately the front runners uh, so it's on the other teams to to catch them now. Yeah, it is absolutely. Um, but it'd be good. It's good to see the Grand Prix come back to Australia. Absolutely, uh, it's been missed. Yeah, I love. Uh, I love. Um, we talked about this in the past, where it's like because that's the f- that's typically the season opener. Every time you play an F one game, you always play the first track that's available. It's always Australia, and uh, it, you know that's just cemented it in my head as being like it's the first race it gets the season started and it's just it's just a beautiful track to drive yeah absolutely i'm exactly the same it's the first track i learned in one of the f1 games um so it's, yeah it's a fun track um so yeah i'm seeing it i hope it always stays and uh it's a shame it's not the first race of the season but maybe that's nostalgia for me because i'm just so used to it you know used to always be the first race of the season yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Yeah, because it does feel like, oh, season starts now because we're in Australia. But um, that is, they did give a reason for that. And it was because um, Australia's had very strict uh, COVID quarantine rules that basically they were like, let us figure it out before you start the season. Um, so just move us back a couple of races. We'll get things figured out and then we'll be you know, third rather than first. So hopefully next season it will go back to being first again. Yeah, that'd be good. We could see, and they're doing the right thing, right? You've got to put health first, I guess. So, um, it's better to delay it by a couple of weeks and then make or a couple of races and make sure they're in this season rather than doing it at the beginning and potentially missing it entirely. Yeah, which I think is what was happening the last couple of years. They were like, "All right, let's go." No way, actually, that's not cancelled. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit gutting, to be honest. But we've got, um, but one man who won't miss it this time is Sebastian Vettel. He's back from COVID. Uh, he's already cleared to race, so uh, nice and uh, plenty of time for him to to get suited and booted. Yeah, it's good to see him back. How was his standing? Did he perform well? Or well, he's not raced so far this season. He's had COVID both both races. Uh, in the test, uh, you know, it's just a test, but he seemed to be okay. Um, I'm interested to see what he can do with the car that maybe Lance Stroll and Nico Hulkenberg couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thinking. Is uh, I wonder how he'd compare to Hulkenberg. Yeah, it's an interesting one because naturally you think, oh, he's going to be much faster, um, simply because you know his experience, his time in the car, he's he is a faster driver. Um, so you'd expect him to get more out of the car, but it's still the second slowest car on the grid. So I don't know really what we can what we can expect. We'll wrap this this one up for now. Okay, mate. Um, it was good talking to you. No, thank you for coming on. Um, do you want me to put any links or anything like that to you in the in the description at all? Nah, don't worry. It's just uh, just fun coming on, having a chat. You can teach me a bit about F one, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll do it again sometime. 
Excellent. Yes. Fantastic having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening. If you're in the YouTube comments, do pop down any questions or anything like that you'd like us to answer on the next one. If you're an audio listener, hit me up over on social media at Race Report Pod. Thank you so much and I'll catch you in the next one.